Welcome to Noon Edition on WFIU. I'm your host, Bob Zaltzberg, along with co-host Lori McRobbie. Today we're talking about shopping trends and what to expect this holiday shopping season. The program is recorded, so we will not be able to take calls or emails. However, you can uh, you could uh, submit questions and we could follow up on them for you. We have uh, two guests with us in the studio today. John Talbot is Senior Lecturer and Director for the Center for Education and Research in Retail in the Kelly School of Business. And Kelly White is Professor of Marketing in the Kelly School of Business with an expertise in consumer behavior. She is a consumer behavior scientist. So since we're pre-recording this, I just want to ask about this upcoming weekend because we're, we're a little before the weekend. But I want to ask John, what's your what's your prediction for the shopping season, the the holiday sales? Well, it's it's not really just my prediction, but uh, it, it, what I see uh, in terms of kind of paying attention to this for many, 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 many years, and the last five years, I think, from a retailing perspective, have been exceptionally challenging for a number of different reasons, starting with tariffs back in. 2017, 18, and then uh, of course the pandemic, uh, ships sideways and canals. Uh, I forgot about that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, and and so this feels like the first normal year, and and normal obviously is a. What does that mean? <laughs> it's an average, but uh, it seems like the. The ratio of stores, visits, things like that. National Retail Federation, which is a noted authority and you know has been tracking holiday shopping for 75 years, uh, they're calling for a three to four percent increase uh, in overall spending. Which is, if you go back and look at their 10 years of data, you'll see that it, that's pretty much what they always pick. Uh, which is another reason why it feels like a return to normal times to me, um, because. Because of the pandemic and, and other things, lack of goods, th- there's been a lot of up and down variation that I don't think we would typically see. So I'd say um, I'm looking for a more typical holiday experience than maybe we've seen for the last okay. five years. Kelly, you agree? Yeah, I, I would agree. I think, you know, if you look at, at the reports, consumers are planning on spending even maybe more than they did um, last year and, yeah. and maybe even pre-pandemic. Um, we're seeing people wanting to, you know, go back into stores and and experience kind of the holiday shopping season again. Mm-hmm. Even with inflation uh, going on. Of course, inflation was worse last year, right? Yeah. Well, was it? I think yes. Yeah, inflation was worse. I mean, we're still higher than we were before. Yeah. Um, right. But it is it is down. Um, but, you know, one thing that the holiday season brings is deals. And so even with inflation, I think consumers are really looking to maximize on Black Friday deals, Cyber Monday deals, um, even if it's not just for, for holiday-specific shopping. I think people are really looking to, to budget their money in these ways, too. One of the things I've seen, Kelly, is uh, that if you look at the duration of the shopping season, if you mm-hmm. will. It's, it's moved back and people start earlier. I think I read somewhere that something like 40% of people are going to be completely finished by the end of November. But the other thing, to your point, that I think is really interesting is that I think the inflationary effects 
effects that people are feeling are more baked into their budget than maybe they were a year ago. So I'm not saying that prices necessarily are going to be higher uh, for the holiday season. But what's happened is that the amount of disposable income that each family has is more limited. So they're taking every paycheck and they're getting one gift. And they get another paycheck, they get another gift. So a lot of people are really spreading out their spending um, to match really cash flow that they have. And uh, of course you can, as, as you said, the deals are available earlier and, uh, uh, and becoming more variety. And of course there was a time when we had to get up on early Friday morning or even Wednesday night when they migrated it back. Uh, and thanks to digital commerce and the robustness that all of the major retailers now have around those areas, uh, you can get your deals online, never have to go to a store unless you love it. And we can talk about that in a second. <laughs> and I'll add to that, John, um, just from personal observation, I think there's a, a lot of pressure for companies to start offering these Black Friday deals earlier. Um, my husband and I actually own an e-commerce business, and we were talking just the other night about how, you know, all of his, all of all of the competitors are, are giving out Black Friday deals already. Um, his customers have been asking about it, and so we made the decision to to launch a Black Friday deal early, and people are really jumping on it. Um, and so I think this this kind of deal landscape is just creeping sooner and sooner and sooner and kind of deviating away from the actual day of Black Friday. Now mm. I have to ask, what, what's your husband's business? <laughs> uh, it's a, a second-hand electronics resale. So if you have, um, you know, it's a kind of second-hand market kind of thing. So if you have extra I've been iPhones, needing some of that. There I'm going to get online right does, after Does he buy second-hand electronics yes, as well? Yes, so he can buy, mm. buy second-hand electronics. He'll buy it from you. He'll also resell if you don't want to buy brand new. Um, mm. So kind of good for the environment and, 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 and what's cheaper the on the wallet. What's the name? of this company? Uh, buyback Boss. <laughs> okay, good. Great to know. I think we've got something to do later. I today, think so. we do. I th- and, and, and Black Friday deals. And I didn't uh, come on here meaning to promote it. But. Yeah, right. right. <laughs> but he, I had to ask. We can't, point, we can't, we can't control out. John. I'm sorry. No, no, no. I actually wanted to follow up on the Black Friday. So, so, um, so Black Friday, it, it sounds like for one thing, it's not really Friday anymore. And it's certainly not an in-person experience. Has it you know, this year and over the past several years, where we've seen this this move away from a day, um, has it it hasn't really diluted the amount of spending. It just spreads it out, but it, it really isn't robbing from what happens on that Friday. Is that a fair statement? It's just overall. I mean, people are just buying more. Black Friday is the biggest shopping day of the year, and it will be again this year. And there'll be plenty of foot traffic. Um, so on the day itself, on yeah, the day on itself, the day itself, right. So every like, almost all shoppers now are making some sort of purchases via online mechanisms, but there's still a group of people that I think they're going to be in the stores more vigorously than perhaps the last five years because, like I said, it's back to sort of normal. Yeah, and, and, and there's a tradition around it. Absolutely, that, and I think we've yeah. been. I mean, I know this is about my myself too I'm hungry for that in-store experience I mean yeah. I'm much I'm actually you know kind of tired of searching Amazon for stuff I always you know. um, I, I think of this as shopping athletes and um, because there's people out there and you know it's, it's a small it's a subset but maybe 40 percent of the population that 
they start planning really early, and they've got – I always think of like an offensive coordinator in a football <laughs> game with the plastic-covered laminate sheet, and they have Walmart at the top, and they've got the aisles written on it, and they, they exercise and get all pumped up and ready to go. And then it's it's a tradition, as you said, Kelly, and a lot of times, uh, you know, I, a number we, – we both teach at the undergrad and graduate level, but uh, I know I've heard – just from a number of students that they're looking forward to being with their mom and their grandmother and getting up early on Friday morning and heading somewhere mm-hmm. <laughs> and probably multiple somewheres. Yeah. I think it's really launching the, you know, you're still together with your family from Thanksgiving and it's really launching mm-hmm. um, the start of, of the next holiday season, whether that's, you know, Christmas right. or Hanukkah or whatever it may be. Yeah. Um, but you're kind of launching it with family. Yeah. Um, and, and buying gifts and preparing. So I think there's a, a lot of nice tradition around it. So I, I agree. I think there will be foot traffic. I want to follow um, up on this, yeah. the, the uh, sort of the, the, the deal part of this because it, it's always, I don't know, I guess I can't really wrap my arms around it. You know, everybody has this big deal. Is this just a lost leader kind of thing? They're trying to get somebody into the store or, you know, why, why – how did that start, and how successful is it? Uh, well, retailers plan this 14 months in advance. So they're out looking. If it's Best Buy, they're looking for a television or whatever other device they see as being the, the item du jour for the next year. So this is pre-planned. So the retailers are making advantageous, maybe not have a, probably not the right word, but th- they've planned that and they've worked with the suppliers to be sure that the cost of those are, you know, compared to what they intend to sell it for. So, no, I don't think it's a loss leader category. Uh, I think it's, uh, if anything, retailers have just gotten much, much, much better at realizing the potential. And, you know, as Kelly noted, I mean, consumers like deals. And 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 uh, so that hyping the deal is really important. And I, this is an old fact, but a number of years ago, J.C. Penney was. Uh, you know, we all know the retailer; they've gone into bankruptcy now. They're part of Simon Property Group. But uh, it's it's interesting because uh, the CEO of Apple went to work for J.C. Penney and took over. And one of his first policy initiatives was to go from high-low pricing to everyday low pricing. And there's a lot of good reasons for it. It's less expensive to administer. Um, There's sort of, Kelly can probably speak to this better than I can, but you don't have consumer regret afterwards because they know they'd, oh, crud, I should have bought it Mm -hmm. a day later. So he instituted that and they saw a 40% drop in foot traffic in the stores because people thought the deals went away. And so, as Kelly said, I mean, deals are really important, but they're planned. And retailers, they work hard to find uh, things they can make money on yeah. and also draw you into the store. Which also means predicting consumer de- desires and sentiments. So, and that's, Kelly, a big area of your research. So, they've, they're, if they're looking that far out, they're also making predictions on what's going to be hot and what do consumers want. And Kelly, if you can talk more about how that, what, what is, what are the predictive models for consumer behavior around, and how much how much of it actually is driven by uh, retailers and producers 
putting something out and, and promoting it really well, and that makes people want it. You know, it's, it's, it's really a mix of things. I think part of it is a function of the times. We're seeing people are really wanting more experiences, more social experiences, things they can do together. Mm-hmm. And I think that is a real backlash from, you know, from COVID times when mm-hmm. we weren't able to do this. So we're seeing spend on travel and these kinds of things go up. But in certain sectors like technology, a lot of that is is in part driven by what the producers are giving us. People yeah. want the newest things and they want to look good to other consumers, right? To have the newest technology, to have the coolest device. Um, not only is it exciting and it's you know fun for yourself, but you, you look like you're kind of in tune with what's going on. And, and that's a, another thing that's driving it. So we'll see a lot of, of sales for the new technology. You know, Apple kind of releases their yeah. new devices in September every, of every year. We see a big launch of people getting them right at the start. But people will also wait for Black Friday. They want the newest yeah. and the greatest for, for a lot of reasons. And part of which is they're just telling us it's new and it's great. Yeah, yeah I, th- I think you're so right about the timing of Apple. I've always just applauded their... Because, again, they, you have to think about how long they've been working on that iteration of that mm-hmm. phone. I mean, it's not something that just started last week. It's probably been five, six years because they're iterating. But they, they're saying inside the company, we're going live on that thing September 15th. It better be ready. Yeah. I, I, I really find that Apple's done just a remarkable job of drawing attention to their devices. And we had um, a gentleman uh, from the largest chain of uh, Verizon stores uh, was in my class last week. He was just talking about how important device change is in terms of getting people to change plans as well. So it's not only, it's a switching opportunity that they they want as well. And so um, interesting just to, yeah. how and good of, they are. <laughs> yeah. And of course, Apple always uh, innovates on its um, power supplies and charging and cables. And oh, yeah. all that. So you've got to buy all new all new I, stuff. I have no have. idea if the ones I have work anymore. <laughs> I have a bundle of them that I travel with. And, and every time I travel, I'm having to yeah. go, oh, a we're uh, talking with John Talbot and Kelly White from the Kelly School of Business about this year's shopping. Uh, it's good. It's uh, Black Friday as we're doing this show. We're doing it uh, pre-recorded, so you can't call in today. But uh, thank you for being w- here with us, Kelly. I know a lot of some of your research has been on the hour of the day and how that affects shopping habits, and I'm I'm fascinated by that. How does it affect? shopping habits. And like with Black Friday, the hour of the day, those early mornings or later in the day, or even with the fact that you can now shop at any time of day Mm -hmm. when you're shopping online. Can you give us a little bit about that? Yeah. Thank you for for asking, Bob. Um, In in the the research I believe that you're referencing, what I'm looking at is how people's uh, variety-seeking behaviors change throughout the day. And, and I'll expand on that in a moment. But essentially, the intuition is that physiologically, we vary throughout the day, given our circadian rhythms. Um, people have their, their body temperature, their heart rate, different kind of physiological arousal indicators are lower in the morning, and they tend to increase throughout the day. And the idea of this research is we are seeking variety. Variety is an external external source of stimulation or arousal. It is literally the spice of life. Um, so if you're going to get a bunch of different varied options, that's more exciting than, than a bunch of all the same. 
But essentially what we find is that in the morning when people's physiological arousal levels are lower, they're actually less interested in external stimulation, um, such as variety. So as the day increases, they're more likely to buy variety. We see this in kind of typical everyday purchases like grocery store purchases. Um, the same household will buy multiple versions or, or multiple flavors of yogurt later in the day. But if they were to buy in the morning, they maybe just get all vanilla. And so what this means for retailers is, A, Black Friday in the morning is really stimulating, right? You can kind of think of it, you know, you know, maybe you're not ready for all of that unless you get a lot of coffee to kind of up your <laughs> physiological arousal, right? Like your heart rates go in. You're, Every day. Right. And so in the morning during these Black Friday deals, it's kind of a, a discordant experience for consumers. You know, they're, they're experiencing a lot of stimulation. And to the extent that you can then make things maybe a little bit more simpler or, or feel a little bit more normal even while you're in the store, that might help reduce some of that discordant. But throughout the day, people are going to want more more variety. Um, so you can imagine maybe if you're doing online deals, maybe in the morning you offer a bundled package um, that's has less variety among goods, whereas later in the day you might shift what that bundled package looks like um, or which one you're pushing or promoting. Hey, Kelly, uh, I don't know if you saw this, but maybe Walmart was influenced by your research because I, I don't know if you, they announced that they're – uh, in certain stores, they're lowering light levels and sound levels in the morning, like from 8 to 10 oh. in certain stores. <laughs> and the rationale is exactly as you just described, is, is that they – and they it, – it's not just general, but they've also found that there's certain, certain individuals that struggle with too much sensory overload mm -hmm. more than, mm -hmm. say, an average person might. And so they're trying to turn the lights down literally – in the stores to make it a better shopping experience for really specific individuals, but it sounds like it's better for everybody. Yeah. yeah. Based on what you're saying. Yeah. You know, I had not heard that, but that that makes a lot of sense. They to me. copied you. Yeah. yeah. Or they I don't know if it's some, copying. You know, they I owe you take some it. credit. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, but I will say a caveat here is people who are extreme morning types don't experience this. So people who are already feeling awake and ready to go to Black Friday, they're they're not going to show that kind of effect. Yeah. But what's interesting about this, and, and I have some current research that's kind of exploring this, how throughout, our our, throughout the day, our circadian rhythms affect different hormones as well. And it has been shown in prior research that I was actually a research assistant on when I was an undergrad, that these kind of Black Friday deals make people experience higher levels of testosterone. That's why we see aggression. And this is just all me just kind of, you know, thinking about this. This is, there's no data to back this up. But I do wonder if we would see fluctuations of aggression throughout the day on Black Friday when people are exposed to these kind of scarcity deals at different times of day. That, that's something I, I might want to look into. I'm not sure. Yeah. Well, and I'm wondering about um, just crowding in the store, like how many other people are shopping at those hours, mm -hmm. too, what kind of an effect that has. You brought up, yeah, the competition that can come out. But also does, it, does store crowding affect people's willingness to buy more variety, less variety, spend more time in the store, less time in the store? Yeah, there's all kinds of research that has looked at store crowding. So when, off the top of my head, I don't remember. I know store crowding affects variety, and I don't want to say it wrong. I don't remember if it increases it or decreases it off yeah. the top of my head. I know for head. me, I want to be in and out of there you as fast as possible. Right. But I think it also is, is going to make decision-making faster because it's going mm -hmm. to increase this right. sense 
that other people can get this, these kinds of limited number of options that are in the store. Yeah. Um, that can increase testosterone. That can increase, you know, just trying to like maybe increase back basket sizes potentially. Now we're competing with everyone there. We want to get it. And, mm-hmm. and if we don't buy it now or grab it now, it, it might be gone. John, are, are there different kinds of retailers that need this weekend the most, like a small business versus a big box store? Well, I would say certainly depends on how you define need, Bob. But yeah. uh, I would say that incredibly important for local retailers. The There's a lot of mythology around Black Friday, but one of the myths is that that's when retailers finally – got out of the red and were making money over the whole year, losing money, losing money because of rent. They finally get to a level at Black Friday where they're financially in the black. But that's so, a myth. Yeah. Okay. And, and so I always, you know, I, I, I really think that for smaller retailers that just don't have the thick balance sheets like Walmart or Target or these other entities, I mean, the leadership at those public entities very much want to do very well over Black Friday. But I don't know that for many of those retailers, uh, that's not an existential risk, as opposed to some of the smaller retailers that are local. I mean, if if things don't go well for them, I mean, you've got a lot of inventory that's cash is embedded in that. And if you don't convert that inventory back into cash, you don't get to make the payments. And that usually is not a very good thing. So, I always uh, I love the fact that over the last maybe 10 years, there's been an increased focus on localization of shopping. And, you know, if you think about this, too, gift cards are designated to be the number one item, and they pretty much have been for the last 10 years. And if you think about a gift card for a local entity, that's a great gift because you've just handed that entity cash. Mm-hmm. And... They don't really have to follow through on that until some point in the future. So you probably end up having a happier gift recipient because they get to have a choice about what they want. But the great part for the local retailer is only about 80 percent of gift cards are ever redeemed. Yeah. <laughs> so you put that money in your pocket. The other thing that's interesting about gift cards is the accounting for them is, is quite interesting because you don't record revenue. It doesn't matter for a local business, but if you think about a public entity, mm-hmm. a gift card debits cash, and it doesn't credit revenue. It credits a, a liability account. And so they don't get to recognize revenue until the card is is actually redeemed. And so you can imagine that you know, the chairman of Target is reporting fourth quarter results. And if they sold a ton of gift cards, I think that person would want to be sure that the analysts were quite aware of that because it could be that that might have an effect on their overall top line sales. But circling back right around, Bob, I mean, this is a really important time for local, less well-capitalized entities. And I I encourage people to head out Saturday or Friday and and let's let's take care of our folks downtown. Yeah. Yeah. Shop local. So we've talked a lot about Black Friday. Same kinds of things for Cyber Monday. I mean, Cyber Monday, I think, originally was, you know, you're shopping online, maybe also shopping for digital kinds of things. But that those are also Black Friday things now. Is these have these basically blended together into one big shopping weekend? I think they've blended together into one big shopping 
two and a half weeks. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Yeah, Lori. I think, you know, the label will change and maybe some deals will be better on Cyber Monday versus, you know, Black Friday. I think stores with in-person physical locations are going to lean a little bit more into the Black Friday, whereas more your total, you know, Amazon or or these kinds of stores are going to lean more into the Cyber Monday. But most businesses do both. Yeah. And Cyber Monday origins are, I think, quite interesting. The reason it's called Cyber Monday is because people had high-speed internet at their place of work, and that was the first location where they had it. So they would get – this is 15 years ago, I mean, before we had ubiquitous high-speed connectivity. The only place they had it was at the office. So Monday morning after Thanksgiving, nothing got done (laughs) because everybody was shopping online. And, of course, it's taken off since then, and now it's a thing. But it doesn't really even need to exist anymore. But at one point, uh, there was a reason. And I find that the history of Black Friday is so crazy. Well, we have two guests with us today. I want to remind you that uh, John Talbot is here. He's a senior lecturer and director for the Center for Education and Research and Retail in the Kelly School of Business, and Kelly White, who's professor of marketing in the Kelly School of Business with expertise in, in consumer behavior. We're pre-recording this show for Black Friday, and uh, thank you for joining us today, but you can't call in with your questions. So hopefully Lori and I will be able to ask all the questions that you have. I want to ask a question just about, you know, we're, we're in a really weird time with war, a war in Israel uh, and Gaza, war in Ukraine and Russia, divided political scene. Are people – does this have any impact on consumers who want to go out and spend money? Or is it – does it make it more likely because people are like, I just have to have some distraction or less likely because people are worried about what's going to happen? I think uncertainty is the bane of the holiday season. And, and so to the degree that we have uncertain outcomes, am I going to get a paycheck? Uh, what am I doing with student loans? What's going on with the war? Uh, will we have a spending resolutions, which they got that done. Yes. So we reduced a little better. bit of uncertainty. Sure. I, I feel better today than I did two weeks ago in terms of just my perception of the headwinds that are the many things you allude to, Bob. I don't think it's any one particular thing. But in periods of uncertainty, people are generally, I think, more careful. And Kelly, you may be able to address that and, and say you're crazy, John, or uh, <laughs> or maybe affirm that either way. But um, yeah, I think those things all potentially are, are weights on whether we end up at that 4% or 3% of a holiday season that the NRF is talking about. John, I agree. Uncertainty leads people to to be more careful. But I think this this carefulness can come out in a couple of different ways. Thinking specifically about your, your question, Bob, about, you know, kind of the wars and, and different things that are going on. There's a lot of salience about the potential for death or families being broken up. You know, a lot of kind of things that remind us that either, A, we need to be very fortunate for what we have. And so we might see people trying to spend more towards meaningful consumption with, you know, with their family, with their with their friends, that kind of mm-hmm. thing. I, I can see it also playing out where people are trying to be very careful with, you know, maybe the future is feeling a little uncertain, we should save more. Or honestly, over the last couple of years, we've experienced so many supply chain issues that have been a result of things that are happening on the world stage, that 
people might be wanting to buy things because it's available now. And, and it's hard for me to predict how that's going to play out. But I can see this kind of uncertainty affecting different groups and different people in, in a number of different ways. And, and Kelly, I agree with one of your final statements there. And going back to my statement that I see this as a more normal holiday environment, this is the first time supply chains have been fixed in mm-hmm. five years. So the inventory that's on the shelf is probably better matched to demand than it has been for a long in, in the time. US. In, in the, the US. US, yes, yes, yeah, okay. 100%. Yeah, I was going to ask about that because I mean, certainly that's my perception is I'm not seeing this is back ordered, not mm-hmm. available, that, those kinds of things that I'm shopping. I'm sort of as a follow on to this, I wanted to ask just about, Kelly, what you're seeing as the hot trends this year. Yeah. But but more specifically, A, whether that varies, as I'm sure it does, by age group. Um, what's hot with young people, what's hot with old people. And and more to the point, and especially I think would think for young people, how much their decisions and their shopping behaviors are affected by these world events in, and including climate change, which is mm-hmm. obviously a big issue for that age group. Are you seeing those kinds of demographic variations? And, and how would you address, how, what, what do you predict for this year in terms of what's, where yeah. people are going to be spending their money? I think we're seeing that younger consumers are really focused on sustainable packaging, kind mm-hmm. of environmental concerns. So this is going to be something that could make or break what they choose to buy this holiday season. Yeah. I think TikTok, it, we can also think in terms of what's influencing the purchasing across different age groups and demographics. TikTok has become a huge, huge player. So they recently introduced their TikTok, you know, shop, their marketplace. And TikTok is going really hard on trying to get younger consumers to use TikTok as one of their main areas for both inspiration for what to buy, but also to buy it via the TikTok platform. You know, we're seeing TikTok give up to 50% off that TikTok covers on your first purchase anywhere on the platform just to try to get you to start buying. And I I think we're seeing a a massive rise in that, which means that younger consumers, I think more than than ever, are going to be much more influenced by social media influencers Uh and these kinds of trends, particularly if there's any kind of emphasis on sustainable packaging. Whereas I think among a lot of across demographics, across age groups, there's a trend towards people saying that they're maybe going to buy non-gifts this holiday season, which gets back to our earlier point about using the holiday season for the deals. We're seeing trends of people wanting to buy, you know, up maybe their holiday decor, maybe they're wanting to up yes. kind of household utilitarian yeah. products, get that vacuum or something like that. And, and a trend I found really interesting, Lori, is people are indicating more than ever that they might buy something for themselves. I have a lot of research on self-gifts, so I'm mm-hmm. I'm actually quite pleased to see this. It's important that we are, are taking care of ourselves, especially, you know, caregivers and people who are spending so much of their time focusing on others, parents and um, people caring for maybe aging, their own aging parents. Yet these trends also say that's one of the first things that people might drop if budgets get get tight, which is consistent with my research. And I would say that for people to take a moment or even just a couple of dollars and get something for themselves in this season that is so focused on giving to others, I actually find a big, in my research, that it greatly reduces feelings of stress, even a couple dollars or, or a couple of moments mm-hmm. on yourself. And mm-hmm. I actually find that it's most important that you do it when you're feeling so constrained that you feel like you can't do it. Um, so if you can just spare a couple of moments or a couple of dollars towards yourself, even when you feel like maybe this is the time I shouldn't do it, you're actually going to get the most benefits. Yeah. So if you 
when you're heading to Walmart that morning super early, go ahead and get the double, triple latte with extra sugar <laughs> and everything else. You know, it doesn't, even have, to, it up, like, it doesn't <laughs> even have to be an overindulgence. A, a small reward, though. But, but it doesn't yeah. even have to be an yeah. overindulgence. But just, you know, take a moment for yourself amid yes. all that craziness. So yeah. maybe oh. you get your normal coffee even. Yeah. But give yourself five minutes to enjoy it. Yeah. That's great. Well, thank yep. you for taking the guilt out, Kelly. Yes. <laughs> I really appreciate you giving me a great, giving both a great gift. I have a question from our producer about what are your thoughts on the trustworthiness of using social media for shopping? It seems risky. It depends on what you call social media now. I, I mean, there's so many variations. I was going to comment, Kelly, on you were talking about TikTok, but you can sort of see a, kind of a merger of strategic ideas between Temu, Shein, mm-hmm. and uh, TikTok, Amazon included. You know, Amazon trying to move more into content. So these know. online retailers. Yeah, right. exactly. And, and they all sort of started in different places, but they're, they're all in a position of generally, I would say, looking at a more youthful audience. And the, these new mechanisms, I think, can be terribly untrustworthy. But in some cases, I think they're legitimate. And Kelly, you may know more about that than I do. So, I would say these kind of social media platforms, both Instagram and and TikTok, for you know, both are, are really pushing their their shops. They've become a huge part for small business. So that's a huge part of small business trying mm-hmm. to actually grow into something larger. Um, so it is an opportunity to support smaller entrepreneurs and, and new upstarts. And, and I think with anything like that, there comes some kind of risk. Even buying a small from a small local business, there might be some degree of risk, right? They don't have as much figured out as, as Amazon does. But you are getting something that's potentially more unique. You're getting something that's, you know, Maybe if it's not unique, it's more on trend. You're supporting, you know, smaller businesses. And so I think some consumers are willing to take that risk rather than support, you know, some of these major, major retailers. Yeah. I do yeah. think one of the things that uh, people should be careful about, though, is if it seems too good to be true, it probably is fake. <laughs> that Don't bite on that. Retailers have, as we said before, they They've done their homework to try to bring value uh, to us as consumers. But there certainly are tactics that are not really about providing value. It's about taking some of your money. And I think there's probably some ability for us to discern legitimacy. But I had a student last year that bought uh, a T-shirt for Mm -hmm. some reason from a vendor from Europe. (laughs) It was something that popped up on whatever particular mechanism. And I remember the kid telling me he bought it. <laughs> he paid like a dollar fifty or something like that. Well, he never got the T-shirt. And I think fought with him to try to get his money back and other things like that. So uh, when Kelly's talking about companies like TikTok, these are huge, huge, well-capitalized entities. Instagram, obviously, a subset of Facebook. So those are big entities as opposed to some of these uh, – predators, for lack of a better term. I just was, uh, I just had a, speaking of things you can fall into, even being pretty savvy, as I would like to think I am, uh, trying to buy, I think it was a jar of exotic olives, and long story (laughs) why these were important olives to acquire. But I wound up, without realizing it, signing up for a subscription. Mm. And trying to get it canceled. Oh, my goodness. Anyway, I, I 
managed to, but it took it took um, more of my time than I would like to think. So th- those those sorts of things definitely are out there contributing. Yeah, be careful up. with those olives. Yeah. Those, those <laughs> I know, olives I know. I, I'm sticking to blooming yeah. foods from now on. Yeah, so there you go. I wanted to ask, you know, when we talk about you know Black Friday. Cyber Monday, the next day, of course, is Giving Tuesday. Just a little plug for um, continuing the gift giving. But I'm, but it causes me to wonder how much. I know we've seen tons of movement in the direction of socially responsible corporate behavior, corporate social responsibility. To what extent? And of course, we've been with, have been um, living with this for quite a long time. The idea that you you buy one for yourself, you are giving one to someone who, you know, pair of shoes or whatever, those kinds of uh, buy one, give one, um, are those still powerful mechanisms for getting people to buy certain things? Are they, do they still appeal the way they might have earlier? Or, I mean, I know corporate social responsibility has become kind of a buzzword. It covers a lot of things that really some people might not think are. But still, if you think you're Buying something, and right there it says, "By the way, you you buy this, and you're getting you're you're giving something away to someone else." Does that still affect behavior? I think authenticity matters there an yeah, awful lot. Yeah. Um, there's Tom the Tom Shoes incident. I, I don't know if you read about what really happened with that, but people would give the shoes, and they'd send them, and now they're in landfills in Ghana, and they put local footwear producers out of business right. because so much is being shipped. So uh, I do think that consumers, and there's, there's lots of research to support this, are, are factoring in environmental concerns mm-hmm. more in their purchases. Mm-hmm. And Kelly's research is probably much more in depth than this. But, but it's also one of those things where I think certain people will pay a premium and others will talk about paying a premium, but really won't do it. It's kind of like, yeah. uh, I don't know if you've, I was looking at something about carbon footprint and 99% of your ability to reduce carbon is not driving a car Yeah. Yeah. in a household. And I always just find it funny when I go down to the recycle center and I see somebody in a giant SUV taking some cans in so that they can pat themselves on the back and feel good about that, which is, I guess every little bit counts. But at the same time, I think retailers are brands that are offering some aspect of I'm going to give something back to society. That needs to be really well thought out and authentic. Mm-hmm. And Kelly, mm-hmm. I don't know what you, your research shows on that. but Yeah, I, I mean, John, I, I completely agree. I think there's not my own particular research, but there is a lot of research to show that consumers are getting much more wary of, of inauthentic you know, corporate social responsibility, as 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 they call it. And I think consumers more and more are wanting to make sure that whatever money they donate or, you know, buy one, give one is actually going towards the cause that they care about. So there's all kinds of websites available now that are kind of rating different nonprofits and, and, uh, and different causes about, you know, where's your dollar actually going? And I think this is something that consumers, particularly younger consumers, are really caring about. You know, where is their money going? What is the right. the overall impact? So it's not just the one-to-one, I'm affecting this cause, but the kind of larger umbrella of it, um, to your point, John, about the environment and, and different things. One thought that's come to my head as we've talked about this is how this has changed life for advertising agencies and marketing mm-hmm. companies, I would 
would think just the different technologies, the different ways that people are reaching consumers, trying to convince them to buy whatever it is they want them to buy. Can you talk to, to that issue? How, how big has been the transformation of advertising companies and marketing comp- companies and agencies with all the new technology? You know, it gives a lot of opportunity for there to be new ways to reach consumers. Um, it also adds a lot more noise, right? Mm-hmm. You know, we are exposed to well over 10,000 brands a day. You know, if you can just imagine you like open your your medicine cabinet, you get out your, your Crest toothpaste and then there's a mouthwash and you open your fridge and there's however much things are in your fridge. I have an entire email dedicated to promotional emails. Mm-hmm. I get hundreds a day. Yeah. There are so many ways now for companies to reach out to us. And with every new form of technology, that's exciting for advertisers and for companies because that gives them potentially a way to kind of cut through all the, the noise of the previous ones and be the first um, to kind of innovate on that platform as a way to reach out to consumers. But eventually, it becomes pretty pogged down again. The other thing I wanted to ask is you've mentioned it before two or three times I think it's come up, but the idea of experiences, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. how does that play into the 2023 shopping scene? It, there's a couple different reports, and I'm sure Kelly's looked at the same. The NRF publishes what they expect their spending levels to be, and they're coming in at around 900 bucks, which is pretty typical. Uh, and then I think it was Deloitte had a holiday forecast that they published uh, maybe a little bit earlier, but they reported something, $1,650. Mm-hmm. And, which big difference, and the difference is they report experiences. So NRF is not really counting air travel and other things like that in their data set, uh, whereas Deloitte is. So yeah, it's a important part, and and also there's there's some variation around economic capabilities. So households with more economic capability are going to spend more on experiences and going to spend more in general than. The, the average household. And, you know, I think we saw during the COVID years, there was actually a big increase in spending on things for the house because mm-hmm. we're spending so much time in our homes um, during that time. And and really, just to kind of back up your point, John, you know, if we look back over the summer of 2023, what did that show us? People are spending exorbitant amount of money on concerts. We have Taylor Swift. We have Beyonce. <laughs> you know, people are, you know, Barb and Hammer, what, I think that was the, the combination. Um, people are seeing Hammer, yeah. two movies in a row, back yeah. to back, right? So they are, are really, we, you know, even outside of the reports, we see just observationally people are spending money towards experiences. And, and I think that's something we can expect to see that we're wanting to buy during this holiday season, whether it's things we do during the holiday season with our families and with our friends, or something that we buy to, to do together later as a gift. My daughter is 17, and I will just tell you that I'm a failure as a father because I was unable to acquire those Taylor Swift yeah. tickets. Oh, you should have talked to me. <laughs> oh, really? You had them? Darn! I am, I am, I am well, we could get them. They were just $8,000. That was the problem. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, just I'm, 
my next question was going to be about different generations. I seem to be to have have I'm I'm missing the Taylor Swift generation in my family right now. My grandkids are too young. My my kids are too old, and I'm definitely too I, old. I've been converted. I have to say, yeah. I, I didn't oh, listen I, to her at all. Yeah. And now I, it's it's on my playlist <laughs> all the time, and it's just because of my daughter. Well, I'm, and I'm she a, was right. You know, she, she well she she's, right. she's, she's a big yeah. she's big, too, she's big for a reason. But I wanted to ask about those experience. I mean, is that partly driven by the baby boomers? I mean, to, I mean, the baby boomer generation is likely to be that we have more wealth now, retiring, to have discretionary time, discretionary income. Is that demographic tending to drive this push toward experiences as well, mm-hmm. or is it in our culture now? I, I don't have data to back that up, Lori, but my intuition is it's probably a bit of both. It makes a lot of sense that baby boomers with extra time and, and money, and it's such a large generation. Um, you know, population-wise, that that would be driving some of that. But I also think the younger generation, with this real focus on environmental concerns and sustainability, is actually much less focused on material goods than we, we've seen historically. I, I was thinking that as you look at folks near retirement with some disposable income, I think when we think of experience and you think of flying on a jet somewhere, that's probably those people. But mm-hmm. I'm going to go back to what you said earlier, Kelly, about finding that time, you know, where you invest a little bit in yourself and and your well-being. And I think that younger people are buying experiences just as much as older period. It's just a different type of experience that they're buying right. because of their economic capacity generally. Got to follow up on experiences. Uh, also, speaking of, of experiences, it seems malls are dying. Is there any way they can be saved if they were to shift their focus towards shopping experience rather than just goods? Well, Simon doesn't even call their shopping centers shopping centers anymore. They're experience centers. And so, so I guess yes. So I guess yes. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> and if you think about the experience of a shopping center historically, has been acquisition of an item, right? In a mm-hmm. bag that you would carry out. And now those experience centers may have places to eat. They may have other forms of entertainment. They have gyms. There's office space that's associated with it. We've just seen here in Bloomington a huge influx of new apartments right next to College Mall that uh, they're there for a reason. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I want to ask about... 2023, when you when we think about, you know, the year of, you know, holiday shopping, what is the most important thing you think we're going to see from this year? You sort of talked about it a little bit at the beginning, but I want to give a, a chance to sort of summarize. What's it going to be known for? Experiences or? Honestly, I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> I really am more flummoxed by this particular holiday season than anyone I can remember. And I don't know what the Tickle Me Elmo is for this particular season. And I would like to think that maybe it's the return to normal, whatever that is. I mean, normal is a, a, it's an average, so it's wrong. But embracing really what holidays are about, which is family, friends, thinking of others, that's what I'd like to see it be. That's what I would hope, that we can quit talking about a lot of other things and just have people come away and feel like 
wow, I, was, I, I enjoyed being with my friends and family. It was a great break. Mm-hmm. We celebrated and did some fun things. So that would be my hope. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I hope the same. I imagine that, you know, we, we see people in, are intending more to shop in person this year than, yes. than previous, the last couple of years. And I think a lot of that does tie into experiences, Bob. I think mm-hmm. people are potentially viewing going to the stores on Black Friday as an experience they can do with their friends and family. Um, so I think we'll, we'll see an increase in the foot traffic because people, you know, we're so tired of, of our digital lives. I, I um, mm-hmm. And so I, I think we'll, we'll see a note of that. I don't know that it's going to be higher than the pre-pandemic, but relative to the last couple of years, I think that that'll be notable from this year. Mm-hmm. And, and hopefully it'll be a real emphasis on the the bonding experience yeah. of yeah. it. I think you're exactly yeah. right, Kelly. Yeah. And it, it just thinking again about other factors that, that impede our spending, and obviously we've talked a bit about inflation, which is down, and I think actually net income is actually up now. Again, that uh, wage raises have, have now exceeded the rate of inflation, so people potentially have a little more discretionary income. But are you – I mean, it's a little hard to tell between now and the end of the year, but are you seeing any – any, tr- I mean, are gas prices likely to spike before the end of the year, as far as you can tell? But they are pretty much stay steady, such that there aren't going to be big hits on no, I'm not an discretionary spending. What I've been reading is that they, they, I think they even said that over Thanksgiving they expected gas prices to hold steady, if not go down, not which go is down. unusual. Yeah, because truly, you'd expect it to be the other mm-hmm. way around. So, some of the pressures of those those little things that have become more expensive for us that, you know, for, for folks that are living on a modest income, a, a greater proportion of their overall income is having to be devoted to things that they need as opposed to things that they want. I, I don't see the spending going up a lot. I have read that retailers are actually looking at selling less items, but at a higher dollar value so that the we might see comps, negative comps in units, but actually see increased dollar results. It's actually good for the environment. Excellent. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> oh, and another thing, Kelly, I was going to – it's back to your point, but uh, one of the trends that's been in the National Retail Federation data for a long time is the continued development in terms of location and how many people are shopping there of, of reuse shops um, and secondhand shops. and. I love seeing that, you know, within it because I, I agree with you. I mean, we, we all could – let's have more experience and maybe a little less stuff. Yeah. 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 In our last minute, can you, one of you give us a little cautionary uh, note about using too much credit during the holiday season? Interest rates are higher, right, mm-hmm. than they have been. Um, oh, no, I, I was going to say – Yeah, there's – you know – there are ways to get very meaningful gifts and, and things for yourself. Take advantage of deals for things that you mm-hmm. need um, without having to to overspend. Okay. Yeah. We are out of time. Thank you to John Talbot and Kelly White from the Kelly School of Business. Appreciate your being here. Thank you to Lori McRobbie, my co-host, and also Nathan Moore, our producer and engineer, Mike Pashkash. I'm Bob Salzberg. Have a good holiday weekend.